you can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G dot com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. It's time to talk Sixers. Ben double eight. Oh, baby! Ben Simmons between the legs, and then he rocks the rim! Here on the broadcast, the official podcast of Sixers.com. Here's a steal by Covington. A three ball is in the air, and good! Robert Covington pours in another three! Now... Here's today's episode. Playoff game day number two in the city of brotherly love and Delaware Valley 76ers and the Miami Heat set for game two of their Eastern Conference quarterfinal series down at the center later on Monday night at 8 o'clock. Brian Seltzer from Sixers.com saying what's up. Thank you once again for checking out a postseason pod edition of the podcast. Coming up on this episode, we're going to sit down with my boss. And a great guy, a man who knows his NBA basketball and all things round ball related. That would be the head of 76ers Digital Media Operations, Charlie Widows. And we'll spend a few minutes with Robert Covington talking about the Sixers' big win on Saturday night, his defense, and that of his teammates as well. Before we get started, a reminder that to subscribe to the podcast, all you got to do is head to a couple of different places, among them iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Type in Sixers Podcast Network, and that will take you to where you need to go. There's no doubt about it that it was a welcome-to-the-moment type moment for the 76ers, the fan base, on Saturday night at the center, 131-03, a dominant win. And then ended up being for the Sixers against the Miami Heat, a game that got off to uh, a really testy, chippy, physical, and whistle-filled start. But the Sixers' defense catalyzed a breakout 74-point showing in the second half, and it was off to the races from there. 18 three-pointers for the 76ers, tying a team record and setting a new playoff record for the franchise. It was all good stuff. A man who is not only the longest-tenured Sixer, but someone who had a vital role in Saturday's victory, none other than Robert Covington, played 26 minutes, was most tellingly a plus 20. Nine points, two of four from outside the arc, seven rebounds, four assists, three block shots, and a menace defensively doing a little bit of everything to disrupt the heat in the second half and get the Sixers on the right track. 
after shoot-around on Monday at the 76ers training complex in Camden. Had the chance to spend a few minutes with the pride of Tennessee State. Cub, before we talk about some specifics, what was Saturday night like for you in particular? You've been waiting for a playoff game with this team for such a long time, and it ended up being a pretty good night. Uh, it was it was a, a static, you know, for me. You know, uh, my energy was going. Uh, I, I knew from the beginning of the game that, you know, even though my warm-up, you know, I had a lot more energy than I expected. You know, just the atmosphere, being there, being in playoffs, you know, it was an extra boost, and, you know, that kind of helped my, you know, my productivity for the night. And, you know, just overall, you know, just being in that moment, just, you know, playing that well, it was a blessing, you know. Not a lot of people get to experience stuff like that, you know, being, you know, a kid that, you know, has a, a incredible story, you know, just to be a part of that and, you know, have a major impact. That's just two testaments, just hard work, and, you know, the feeling was, was amazing. You are one of the leaders of the defensive unit for the Sixers team. What happened in the second half that really helped key you guys and turn things around? We seen what we did, you know, they, uh, the first half at halftime, you know, where they was getting easy shots, you know, easy buckets. You know, we just had to be more maniacal on defense, and, you know, we had to fix it, you know. I think the just the, the adrenaline from everything at first, you know, kind of was, you know, up and down a little bit. But, you know, once we settled down and got, you know, into our principles and everything, you know, it was a lot better, and that's what we was able to lock in more. In particular, even if you look back at the regular season, you've had some success on an all-star that Miami has in Goran Dragic. What's been your approach with him? Just been watching a lot of film, you know, getting a lot of his tendencies down and knowing that, you know, his way he way he plays within the offense. You know, I've been watching a lot of film. I watched the game from Saturday three times um, just to, you know, continue to see, like, how my involvement and what I did to, you know, help our team in so many different ways. You know, and watch how other guys, you know, is playing as well, and just seeing their their tendency as a unit. You know, it, it that's that's what you know part of taking the next step is, and um, I think you know the ways that I built with you know Coach Pierce and everything, just you know taking to another notch this this uh, this series. So you know, just have to be more locked in because mistakes can you know cost you a lot in playoff series like that. You know, every every mistake counts. You know, so you just got to be you know really locked in, and that's what I've been doing. Last thing, mindset, confidence to the group going into game at number two. Oh, sky high, sky high. Confidence on a whole other level just based off of how good we've been playing. And then, you know, we've, we've seen the little adjustments that they could potentially make, and, you know, we're prepared for it. So we just got to continue to go out and play the way we've been playing. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. That was Robert Covington sharing thoughts going into game number two of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals. And now we shift to a location where – I usually gravitate for all wisdom on things 76ers, <laughs> NBA basketball, college basketball, hoops otherwise. The office of the boss man, Charlie Widows. What's up, boss? What's going on? Uh, excited to be talking about game two after after game one. I figured by now you'd know the lay of the land, that once we hit the record button on the podcast machine, <laughs> and I know you have a vested interest in the series that you're watching game one for on your television right now, we need to mute the volume or do we leave the volume up as we hear Ian Eagle announce a Donovan Mitchell jam? What a start to that game. So we're talking about Utah-Oklahoma City, which is one of my favorite Western Conference series. Um, the, the, the begin, the, after Westbrook opened up with a huge dunk, the run that Utah went on wh- with, when Donovan shot 4-for-4 four four was pretty incredible. Um, credit to the Thunder for winning that, series, or that game, though. Is it your second favorite series overall? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would have loved a full strength San Antonio Golden State series like I'm sure a lot of people but um yeah the, it's just what a contrast of styles Utah and Oklahoma City um and both teams are so close uh yeah I, I think this is my second favorite one what about you 
Definitely on the intrigue factor, but I'm I'm keeping my eyes on some of the teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, we just watched, in here rewatched Indiana Cleveland. I think that's a pretty compelling series. Even for me, still at this stage, I know perhaps not for others. Toronto, Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, the the East seems a little more up for grabs. And granted, we have such a we're so close to one of the teams that's vying for it. Um, when I think a lot of people think Houston and Golden State are probably the ones fighting for the West. Um, yeah. I um I just you know for people who really love the sport, this truly is the not really going out on limb by saying this, the golden time of the year where yeah. it's night after night. You get to follow action, see what's involved, and um, especially for there not having been postseason basketball in Philadelphia for six years, you walk into the center Saturday night, mm. you feel it, you see it, you hear it. It's just, it is. What everyone says, it is a totally different level. Yeah, and uh, I, Brett Brown said... There's only one other arena that he's been to in his, I don't know how many years he's been in the league, 15 or so, um, that even can compete. That's Golden State. Um, uh, the Sixers fans brought it on Saturday. And I was thinking about it. I really think this is um, maybe the best kind of like symbiotic relationship between fans and players. Um, players t- t- say, our fans are going to bring it. We know it. And the fans are expect have come to expect this level of performance from the players and this level of passion from the players and they deliver it i mean both are just like totally in sync with each other um it's pretty crazy i remember um so i grew up in la and my dad uh got clipper season tickets a long time ago and, and he was saying he remembers their first trip to the playoffs and what that felt like um with chris paul and he was you know there was this kind of like new confidence that clipper fans had uh, because they had a team that they really believed in. But it wasn't like this. I mean, there was still, like, you'd get to the end of games, and you'd, I remember feeling, like, very unsure if the Clippers could pull it out, even if they were the more talented team. Whereas this is, uh, there's just such confidence, again, in, in the fans of the players and the players of the fans. We heard Covington say during the interview that the team's confidence, and you can't blame it right now, is sky high. That was his quote. And the way that they're going about this winning streak, a chance to tie a continuous franchise record in Game 2 against Miami if they get an 18th straight. They've just been rolling past teams, steamrolling yeah. teams. And I know that people want to say, well, the schedule was this and that. We've talked about this outside of the podcast forum. But A, you play who's on the schedule. Yeah. B, when you trounce teams on the schedule, that's something else. And quite frankly, like, it's not like it was totally Sisters of the Poor on the schedule. They had to take on Denver playing for something at the time, Minnesota, right. Cleveland, Milwaukee, and now it's a playoff series. Right. No, and I've heard – I think it's – it's hard. you can't blame people for from afar looking at the schedule and saying the Sixers had the easiest slate at the end of the year, just like they had the hardest slate at the beginning of the year. Um, and I remember talking to people from the Bucks when they came in, the Cavs, um, a bunch of other teams who kind of – even the Heat, uh, a couple friends from the Heat who – who ha- had these assumptions like, um, you know, the, the Sixers have, have beaten up on bad teams, but we think we have something that they is going to is going to slow them down. Um, and I think it's easy to look at the schedule, strength of schedule, and it's also easy to look at individuals and break the game down to individual matchups or strengths and weaknesses. The thing that the Sixers do that people don't even realize, it's like they're not counting on any individual. They're counting on a system that is so... Um, diversified and deep. I mean, you can't just pick one thing and stop it. You know, like I remember talking to a friend from the heat who was like talking about how, how dangerous they've been when they go small. And we've talked about this, but the Sixers go small too. They're just not small. Like they, they go small in, in, 
you know, in terms of skill level that way, uh, where they're not throwing out a traditional big who can't shoot, um, but that they're still 6'10 across the board almost. We'll get to the key X and O's takeaway in a moment from Saturday, but just whole experience for you. What was the biggest thing that, that you walked away from the arena with on Saturday night? Um, it was rocking, like everyone said. I mean, I think there was at the beginning of the year, like it took a little while for fans to get settled in their seats. Um, it, it definitely struck me that I think there was 12 minutes left on the pregame clock and fans were already standing and chanting, and full, the, the arena was full. Um, the 8 o'clock start helped. The Saturday helped. But I think the people are just so into it. 80-degree um, weather probably didn't hurt weather. either. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you have to remind yourself, Joel's still not playing, and the, and the fans are still this excited. And the I really do have to remind well. myself. It's at a point now where that's not even really – Yeah. And it probably sounds crazy, um, and it won't be this way forever. But you just – you wake up in the morning, and you're thinking about different things about what could go on in the game, and it's like – him not being there right now, yeah. quite frankly, isn't a foremost concern. No. Um, and I had to remind myself, I think the Cleveland game, Dario didn't play either. Is that? Or JJ didn't play? One of them didn't play? Let's go to the tape. I think it was. No, JJ didn't Dario. play against Milwaukee. I think they were without Dario in that game. Yeah. Let's, uh, he didn't. No, he came back in the Cleveland game, but he was, he was oh, he not. Did. But he uh, was kind himself. of out of it. I mean, he wasn't even um, himself. That, that was his one for nine game. Yeah, right. Um,. Again, another like, if you if you zoom in on that win streak, um, another thing you know, Joel missed a bunch of games. They weren't per- perfectly healthy, and they they still played that well. Um, yeah, I mean the atmosphere was electric, and you know I think the first half, not to get too into the X's and O's, yeah, but like the first half is kind of how you expected okay, Miami. Start, start getting into the X's and O's, yeah. Right, you know Miami can muck it up, and they're really tough, and they they execute their game plan, especially defensively. And the first couple of possessions were like, oh, my God, you know, they picked JJ's pocket. They got a little physical. Um, we weren't finishing around the rim. And, um, you know, that that was kind of like what you feared about this team. And then the rookie point guard, I think, kind of like got the Sixers out of it with just he refused to be denied. And then they continue to just play their game, which is sharing the ball. And some shots start to fall. And then, boom, it's a I could not believe I looked up and they were up by 20 against this team. <laughs> Another win streak in which the Sixers just um, – and a win in the win streak where they just open things up right. tremendously. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, it seems like, yeah, I think it was Simmons' first three shots were misses. Mm-hmm. Kept him a little bit farther out than probably he'd like. But then it was like he had that one dunk that set him and everything else in motion. Yeah. Um, and obviously we, we've been focusing on this and just talking about stuff that we've done on the website and social and all that. But the real tactical X and O decision that was made in that game was to start the third quarter with Ursan Ilyasova. Right. And for as much attention and curiosity I think there was about, well, how would Brett Brown do in his first playoff game as a head coach? That kind of spoke to a broader theme of the game that for the first timers going through a playoff game for the first time, whether it was Brett, some of his assistants, guys mm-hmm. like obviously Ben Simmons, Dario Sharch, Robert Covington, Markel Fultz. Didn't seem like the moment was too big. No, yeah, and as much as from a Sixers perspective, you can say Miami's a tough matchup. Like they may not have the most high end talent, but they're so well coached, they're so deep, um, etc. Um, uh, from the other side, the Sixers are a really tough matchup for them because, as you said, we, as we talked about, we can go small to match them, and the small isn't small, still long. Um, Eric Spolstra is awesome. Like you never want to under, underestimate Eric Spolstra, but I think. 
if he were honest, he'd probably say, well, Brett Brown's pretty good too. I mean, Brett Brown is thinking a couple steps ahead, just like he is. Um, not to say one's better than the other, but like they're playing the same game. They're right. both playing chess. Um, and so I, I think that adjustment was pretty easy. And especially, you know, without Joe playing, um, you could argue that their best lineups are probably Ben and four shooters or Markel and four shooters. And they have that. And those are also, those also happen to be most of their more experienced players when you can get Ursan, Marco, JJ on the floor at the same time. And, um, and we talked about this earlier today, but Covington, um, I, I just, I don't think his numbers nearly showed how impactful he was. No, it was amazing. I mean, you can go on the stats.nba.com and look up, deflections in a game and he didn't have a he wasn't credited for a single deflection which to me was I mean I kind of feel like in my mind's eye you can remember various plays where he you know got a hand in there to scrape a ball away in one spot or did something disruptive Um, he has really throughout now the five times that the Sixers and the Heat have played each other between the regular season the playoffs put Goran Dragic the Mm all-star under wraps Mm -hmm. taking him away Goran was four for 14 from the field um, in Saturday's game but but it's it's interesting to hear Brett talk about how things have gone stylistically for the Sixers since Joel hasn't been available, which amazingly now more than half the wins in the win streak have right. come without Joel. Right. And it's uh, philosophically, it's a lot of the same stuff that you'd hear him talk about anyway, playing with pace, shooting threes, um, locking in defensively. But it has gone to a different type of format, like you just said. It's like, Ben, get inside, draw the crowd, and then orbit four shooters around you. Yeah. And I mean... One of the the odds of uh, you know all four of those guys not being on in a given game, right? As we've seen, not real great. Well, and the, so they play with pace in that they push everything, makes misses, they they get the ball up into the half court. But I've also noticed just how fast they play in the half court. Um, JJ and Marco coming off screens at full speed, um, and JJ gets going to his right, Marco gets going to his left, and they're ready to score off of that. And then there's other actions, and. Uh, Again, like because the Sixers have a good game plan and because they're they're long, Miami has to make these choices where they're playing Tyler Johnson or Wayne Ellington, who are, like certainly can shoot. They can definitely shoot, but can they chase those guys around screens? Um, can they guard one on one in mismatches? And the answer is no. Um, so they really have to, and then they can't really get there other than Ellington. Um, and I guess Olenek, who's a different different kind of thing, but they can't get these shots off against the Sixers' length. Uh, that's where Covington comes in. I, uh, I I don't know what his on-off numbers were. I mean, I, I assume they were great. Just he like, was uh, plus twenty. Plus twenty. There you, there go. you go. Right. <laughs> um, you know th- that old saying, like what he does doesn't show up in the in the stack column, but it does. He was plus twenty. It's also interesting when you've looked at what's been happening with the Sixers not just in the playoff game last Saturday but during this winning streak is how when you want to have a conversation about a player in an isolated individual vacuum you know that's understandable valid everyone does it but then you also have to account for how a fit could come together and with guys like Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Eliasova they were on a team that was going into the final week of the season on track to finish with the poorest record in the Eastern Conference in the Atlanta Hawks. And now here they are, and they are two vital contributors to a team that people are saying could make a run as far as, who knows, not just the Eastern Conference Finals, the Finals. Yeah, they've been huge. And it's another reason why I think a lot of the Eastern Conference teams that the Sixers have played 
you know, they, they, they have kind of underestimated the team that they're seeing now, whether it was Milwaukee on the last day of the season, um, Miami, who played the Sixers at in Miami, the two losses were just at the beginning when those guys came and they, they weren't quite the focal points of what they are now. Um, they make a huge difference, huge difference. And now like, like, don't get me wrong. Justin Anderson played some pretty good basketball points this year um, before he got hurt both times. Now he's like the fifth wing off the bench. I mean, they're just so much deeper um, and they can mix and match with matchups. Now, you know, maybe Anderson, I don't know, maybe he doesn't get too many minutes in this series, but who knows if they win this year. Maybe he comes in play next series with uh, a certain matchup. So uh, not only are Ursan and, and Marco so valuable just for obviously the shooting and, and the spacing, but um, they also just make the depth so much better. Evolution of the bench, big storyline, Sixers being a third-quarter team, mm-hmm. huge storyline down the stretch of the season. Um, and J.J. Redick playing some of the best – most productive offensive basketball of his 12-year career. I mean, it seems like he's totally flicked the switch, and I feel like, at least for me, it's very easy to, at times, set the bar very high for Redick um, and not be always impressed by the numbers that he puts up. But, you know, because you're like, he's the veteran. You gave him the deal you gave him. He's been around before, but he really has been fantastic. And second half, 23 points. Another example of him stepping up, rising the occasion. Yeah. I mean, you tell me. Uh, the the number one question was, like, if Miami punches you in the mouth, how do you respond? Right? And that's what happened. Yeah, the first half was definitely a punch. That was a punch. Um, physically, literally at some points, you know, there were physical, uh, you know. Again, J.J. got ripped on, like, the second possession of the game. Um, and then I think that was the play that Covington got back and had those two blocks. Right around that or time. Right around, okay. Um, yeah, but like there were times when it looked like our the Sixers offense wasn't going to be able to get into its stuff because Miami was just going to be physical and they responded, you know. So I don't know if I'm if I'm Eric Spolster, I don't I don't I really don't know um, what to do next. There's only so much, and this is one of those games where I I feel like it could reveal that there might only be so much that Miami could do. I mean, if the 76ers come out and have another pretty convincing performance. Then you're going back down to Miami, and yeah, that that'll change the dynamic a sure. little bit. But um, you would think the two one-sided performances in succession could reveal perhaps where one team is and and one is right. Not quite. Yeah, I mean, I think in the second half there were some sets that they ran where um, they would kind of have like a double screen, and then like three guys would flare in different directions, and it would generate some open looks. And Miami hit some shots. Um, Olenek is tough to guard for sure. Um, but the problem with that is Amir Johnson can guard Kelly Olenek. He's, it's one of the guys that is not pretty well more athletic. Yeah, right. He spent the last couple of years with him. Right. Right. And, and Amir's strengths are positioning, you know, um, being sturdy in the post. And so that's not even a great matchup, even though Olenek is a pretty dangerous score. Like it's just not a great matchup for them. Um, I also think it's important. We've been talking this long and, we're not mentioning just like the change of pace that Fultz brings. That was the next thing I was going to yeah. try and tee up for. Yeah. <laughs> what a blessing to have that as a backup point guard. Um, yeah. He's run the team well, too. That, that's the other thing. He played four games before he missed 68. Yeah. And he came back and um, I was talking to one of the coaches on the team. And he was like, you know, just look at the way that Markel is 
directing traffic and pointing things out and getting guys into things. I mean, that's not the simplest thing to do if you'd only played four NBA games before you come back. And, oh, by the way, there's this spotlight and amount of attention on you. And I think defensively he's he's done okay, too. He's had his moments where um, oh, you know, totally. he's gotten his length in there and used that to help the Sixers. Did you happen to notice the play? I think it was in the third quarter where Wade had the ball, like, um, in the corner, near the corner, and he – he spun one way and really shook Markel and, and created a lot of space. But then by the time that Wade lifted, elevated to shoot, Markel's hand was right there and he had recovered. Um, which I, th- you know, talking to the guys on the, on the basketball side, like his recovery ability at, at his age with his explosiveness allows him to make the mistakes that you know rookies are going to make. Um, and he's just able to close that gap. Um, and the other thing is just on offense, even as he regains the confidence in his outside shot, he teams don't win by laying off of him because as soon as he puts the ball on the floor, he, he closes the space so much that they that the defender almost always has to put hands on him and he can draw fouls that way. Um, there was a, a couple plays where he was at the three point line and had a little bit of space, and then he went to drive and just he's too quick. Uh, you can't stay in front of him. And I just think forty eight minutes of rookie point guard with nineteen assists and one turnover in the second half is is really something. It's incredible. And the one basket Fultz made, highlight-worthy, mm-hmm. out of the four shots was he took. Was that his only basket? It was. Wow. Yeah. But how about Fultz, 3 of 4 from the free throw line? Mm-hmm. How about Ben Simmons, 7 of 10 from the stripe? And yeah. that's something where um, I thought that was encouraging, too, that early on when it seemed like Miami was really trying to pack it in in the first quarter, Ben seemed to, perhaps even more so than he was in the regular season, more aggressive, kept forcing the issue, trying to get to the basket. If he got fouled, okay, I'll go to the line and I'll yeah. try and do what I can. Right. I mean, it reminds you a little bit of, of the way that Cleveland uh, came back against the Sixers in the second half in, in, in the game here a couple weeks ago. Is if you have, and you know, with Ben being a LeBron role, if you space four shooters around the court with, with Ben or LeBron going down the lane, you can't guard either of them one on one. You're going to have to bring help. And they're b- both so good at finding shooters. So, to me, you know, if you're playing the Sixers, you just hope, you know, the Sixers shoot seven for 35 from three. Or whatever, you know, it, you, they have to go. It almost feels three. like that's what it might take. The right. Sixers, more of the Sixers being off their game than some other team being able to impose its will on the Sixers right now. Right. That being said, for the Miami Heat going into game two, you'd have to think that a starting point for them in terms of trying to turn things around would have to be the two of their more productive counted upon players are going to have to deliver what they're expected to deliver talking about Dragic and Hassan Whiteside yeah and you know Richardson shot over four from three and I and he's probably a better shooter than that he went he was a minus 30 in 27 minutes um I I think the the problem with Whiteside and is that he he changes the way you play um and their strength is is a space game and and playing probably James Johnson or even Justice Winslow at five. Um, so I think until Joel comes back and there's more of a post emphasis to the Sixers offense, I don't see how Whiteside fits in there. I, I really don't. Um, so I don't know. Uh, he played tw- just over 12 minutes in game one. Four in the second half. Right. They shut him down after that right. start to the third. And Olenek finished with 20, 26, and he, and he played 30, 30, almost 31 minutes. 
Uh, oh, and you know what? And Bam, you know, even Bam is able to play at the pace that they're looking to play more than than Whiteside. It is pretty uh, pretty outstanding for the Sixers, and really, you just um, you know, maybe as we begin to put a bow on this, you just as corny and cliched as it probably is to say, you feel good for the fan base that's been hanging around. Um, you know, early minutes of that game Saturday it seemed like you know maybe some uneasiness when Miami made its move, but then in the end things opened up, and uh, you know it's just what we've seen more and more of over the last month and a half is that. Give the 76ers 48 minutes, and they'll figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, and I think that uneasiness, which even I felt, I mean, I, there was such a buzz in the building, and you you just didn't know what to expect. And and I don't mean that in the Sixers could go down by a lot. I, I didn't think that was likely, but, like, were we going to see another blowout of a good team like we've been seeing a lot recently? Um, I just, I think that uneasiness was channeled in, you know, Covington making some really great plays defensively to start the game uh, and and guys just hustling. So even though, you know, the offense looked a little disjointed or the shots weren't falling right away, there was just that intensity. And then I thought when Fultz's first stint off the bench was a real momentum changer. Uh, I think he was, I think they went on a 12, nothing. Run. I don't know. He was a, he was a plus 12 in his first four minutes in the game. He was. Yeah. And that's uh, that's really been a theme that we've seen yeah. recurrent lately. That he comes off the bench late in the first quarter, and good things happen. The game against the Bucks, I think, it was he had a say in twenty straight points after he checked in for Simmons, who got into foul trouble early. Yeah, I mean, and there he's was been great. He's been great, and there was no, you know, with the initial struggles, there was no like finger pointing or anything. Like, if anything, they just stayed connected and um, and just blitzed. You know, blitzed Miami. It is no doubt. A group together. Yeah. So in closing, from one 76ers employee to another, what do you think we're going to see in game two? Uh, it's, I don't know what tactical adjustment there is to be made. I mean, I think you pretty, it's pretty clear what Miami's lineup decision is going to be um, in terms of five going small, essentially. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and maybe there's something else for Ben. Maybe, you know, but again, he shot seven for 10 from the free throw line. What are you going to do? Send him and to he the finished line? five for 10, you know, after that 0 for 3 start in yeah. the game. Like, he found his way, no doubt about it. Right. Like, did Marco make a circus shot or two? Sure. And maybe you hope those don't go in. And, and um, you see Josh Richardson hit a couple more. Um, I think Dragic really struggles with his length, with, with the Sixers' length. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's it's James Johnson bringing the ball up like we've seen before. More Justice Winslow playmaking. Uh, but it's it's going to be fun to see game two again. Another one without Joe, um, who's out. Uh, so you know the, the series doesn't start until the away team, the home team loses the game. So I think it's still on the Sixers to kind of take care of business now. Uh, Do you know who JJ Reddick quoted when he mentioned that after who? practice on Sunday? Who was it? Yes, Glenn Rivers. The, uh, he said, Glenn. "Glenn would always yes. say." Pearls of wisdom being dispensed. Yeah, a champion, Glenn. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the Sixers have so many different weapons to go to that you just can't take. It's almost like taking one away opens up another one. Totally. You know, so. It's just remarkable how there's a clear defined core nucleus for this team that everyone can see, but the compliments that have been sprinkled around it, it's just uh, – yeah, He's made I, a really great fit. Yeah, there was um, there was that play coming out of a timeout, I believe, where Ben 
maybe he was going into a timeout. Ben got the ball in the post and whipped a, a cross-court pass to the wing for Dario, and he was kind of like falling away. Hit a pretty contested three, um, and he wasn't he hadn't really been in the flow until that point. So I was like, wow, if he's making that, like, good luck. <laughs> right. I mean, there's no. It was a perfect pass from Ben, uh, and you know, again, maybe those don't all go in, um, but I just don't. I, I'm not sure if that breaks them. As we know, 76ers have been just about flawless on their home court since the holiday and start of the new year, and they'll look to continue that trend and get more of the same out of what has been the hottest team in basketball over the last now month plus a day to the date. Chuck, thank you as always. Thanks. Looking forward to game two. Indeed. Watch the game on NBC Sports Philadelphia tonight, also on TNT. If you're outside the area, 8 o'clock start time. We'll have a rewind edition of the podcast for you tomorrow. Enjoy the game. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Business. It's all the things that keep this world turning. And behind every one of these companies is a partner helping to keep it all moving. It's why the local flower shop and your favorite pizza joint, the startup and the stadium, hospitals and hotels, banks and restaurants nationwide, all choose the advanced network, cybersecurity solutions, and round-the-clock trusted partnership from Comcast Business, the company that powers more businesses than anyone else. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Call or visit ComcastBusiness.com to learn more.